Woo. A weekend of complete insanity that elevated mixed martial arts and certainly paid one of its top performers, proving fighting can be easier outside of the cage and certainly lucrative inside the ring, which means it's time for Verbal Tap. I am your host, Kevin. With me, of course, Raph Esparza. Raph, you were in Las Vegas. You were close enough to see Floyd Mayweather turn his back. How are you doing this evening? Um, well, well, I'm doing well. Oh, Kev- you need to feel amazed. You need to feel shocked like you've been changed forever. Oh, that's Like you sorry. watched the Dream Team. You watched Jordan play for the White Sox. This is right oh, up geez. there with those things. Kev, this place went nuts. Like Vegas lost its damn mine not and i was cool not a it. place that had a lot of slippery to go like they're already teetering on the edge of disaster on a daily basis so the fact that it lost its mind is is saying something kev you know i love vegas like love vegas love it me too and it is tough when you go there and it is overrun a little bit by the crazy so you have to respect that you have to say okay i am aware there is crazy going on and I'm also aware that these poor people who came here for Masters Worlds now have to deal with this insanity that is Conor McGregor fighting Floyd Mayweather. Now, here's what we all know. You all have the benefit of listening to this show a couple days after the fight of the century part four happened. It didn't go all that drastically surprising, Kevin. No. Who knew? That when you have one of the best boxers of all time, they're going to appear as a solid boxer for I, some strange reason. I was surprised by the beginning. I'll say that. You were surprised that McGregor landed a few shots and pressed the action? I was surprised at how comfortable an MMA fighter looked exchanging fists with a boxer. Well, then you must also recognize the fact that Floyd Mayweather appeared to let Connor do his thing and wasn't taking any real substantial damage. Sure. But doing the then Floyd. you also have to recognize doing, sure. But doing it was a little Floyd different than the Floyd. It yeah. was a little different. I'm gonna give him this. It was a little different in that he didn't backpedal as much. He was holding you know, if we talk about like octagon control, he was when at least Floyd was pre or I'm sorry, yeah, Connor was pressing forward, he was at least keeping his hands up. Yeah, And he was very smart about how he was absorbing the shot. So I, I understand all of that. That's fascinating to watch. Uh, you know, Floyd is dumb, but he has a very high fighter IQ. So we must admit that. But here's where it gets interesting. Kev, Conor McGregor wasn't supposed to land a single punch, according to every pundit who's ever seen a boxing match. He's going to get knocked out inside of four rounds. It's going to be pathetic. Yeah. It's going to be the biggest disappointment of all time in boxing ever and that i he landed 30 more punches than manny pacquiao it's well, not bad that's you no don't bring those up kevin How oh dare sorry you, you know what no. first of all i owe an apology to the audience <laughs> foremost for trying to ingest any sort of statistical backing and what i should have Thank said you. is i feel like the statistics said this and i apologize yes, for just declaring much better 
and you probably read it on some sort of meme from Occupy Democrats, which wanted to put its fucking business in boxing. So get the fuck out of here with that shit. I will tell you this right here, right now, Kev. I want to put this on record, which is when Conor McGregor was pressing forward, and even though Floyd was just not even really phased by a number of those shots, it was still drastically more exciting than just about every other boxing match you typically see on the television. Now, boxing enthusiasts, I can hear you, all four of you, getting very angry about this. But I want you to understand something. I've been surprised about the amount of boxing enthusiasts in my life. I had no idea. Or such boxing purists. But it's oh, apparently... Oh, no, no, no. We don't have enthusiasts. We have experts, Kevin. Boxing uh, experts. A lot of people Everybody that are just real deep analytical. In. Yeah. <laughs> And here's the nice part is we are an MMA and jiu-jitsu podcast. Boxing falls into the realm of combat sports. And when it's interesting, we bore you guys with it for a little while. And you know what? We get it. We understand. For some of you, it's not your thing. For some of you, you were like, I wasn't going to watch that fight. Fuck you. We're going to watch that fight because it's fun. What you need to do is just relax a little bit and understand you're not going to take the Oscar De La Hoya. Let's keep the sanctity of boxing at hand dude no they're wearing you're just mad the sanctity's gone (laughs) you are just mad that these people didn't cut you in and you've got a fight coming up and oscar de la hoya hasn't been at all quiet about riding the wave that is the publicity train of conor mcgregor and floyd mayweather so he understands what he's doing in this day and age of writing the seo search Kudos to you for doing that, but don't pretend like you didn't watch it or you didn't want to see it because all of us wanted to see what it looked like. And you know what it looked like, Kev? Uh, awesome. I mean, that's I that's how I described it. I had a lot of fun watching the fight. It looked like a fight that we didn't need to see, but that while we were in it, there were some fun exchanges. You there got are. to see everybody go home happy. Can I make a Connor, few massive critiques as you finish this point? I absolutely. I just let me yeah. say this little thing, and I want to hear your takes because this is the time when I'm a little sad that we don't get to watch these things in the same room because I feel like we actually would be talking over each other because there's just so much shit happening. But here's the point the point is when you have all these things happening and you have all these boxing purists who are mad about it, but they're still watching, and a lot of people who are rooting against Conor McGregor just because, ew, MMA. And then on the same side, you have a lot of Irish people rooting for McGregor because drunk. So it just cancels out. But what makes it fascinating to watch is this. Conor McGregor, as awkward as his form was, did connect a few times. And those few times were really fun to watch because he was unorthodox in every sense. He had a weird stance that he would change every once in a while. He essentially was doing an Irish jig when he was doing footwork. Uh, When he did connect with that uppercut, everybody kind of stood up. And to his credit, he did understand one really big principle about grappling, Kevin. And I don't know if you saw this, but Floyd can't run away if you pin the hips. (laughs) <laughs> he did there was that was actually the fun moment when he did that almost shot to mm-hmm. into the clinch it was like 
Okay, if Floyd's hands are faster, look at Connor's shot. And this is going to mm-hmm. take us into, I'm about to make an argument that would upset any boxing fan ever. And I hope they're listening. I hope they're all <laughs> listening. But this one specifically is going to be an insult to it. There's no fight sport where you can turn your back to people and succeed. So if you let me just pick a few others, because I am thoroughly confused by what I saw Floyd Mayweather doing. The frequent ducking and turning of the back. Is that a boxing rule that I can't hit you if your back's to me? Because that fucking sucks for a fight sport. Just as a big heads up in wrestling, turn your back to someone you're going to get tossed. In jiu-jitsu, you better fucking be Jeff Glover. Otherwise, that shit doesn't go very well. Uh, and Muay Thai's not like that. Kickboxing's not like that. Because when you can kick, you don't want to turn your perfectly nice leg to someone and let them just jack it right with their shin. Boxing, is this something I don't know about? <laughs> like, what? Hold on. Let me let me channel... Weird uh, fucking thing is this? Let me channel my inner uh, MMA debate fan. Uh, casual. Awesome. MMA debate fan. I just want to give me a second. I got to yeah. feel the process. Okay, here we go. <laughs> Yo, that shit doesn't work in real life, okay? Like, everybody nice. knows <laughs> that boxers are the better fighters because it all starts with stand-up and you punch, okay? And you punch somebody. I don't care who you are. You're going to go down, okay? I don't care about that like, gay stuff when you, like, take someone down and you hug them. I'm not I hugging anybody. I'm not hugging anybody because when not, you're on the floor, you're super gay. Not, there's not anything wrong gay, with that. Or the, but, like, but I'm not. Uh, I'm not? Okay, anyway, I, that's not the point. The point is, I just think, like, what the, and I, like, what, and I'm doing this, and I look at these guys, and I say to them, like, you guys won't even know. You wouldn't even get the chance to kick because I'd punch you so hard. Oh, God, that took a lot out of me. That was good, though. Uh, that was, yeah. Do, so, do you want to hear the opposite side? Always. Okay, hold on. I gotta. I'm just playing ping pong in the. Uh-oh. I'm gonna shit on boxing for a minute because what I saw doesn't vibe with what I know. Oh, about I get fighting. it, Kev. I get it. I get it. Hold on. Let me see. Um, other side. Other side. Here we go. <clears throat> yeah, I just want to point out something, which is, if you if you were like wrestling, you don't take punches to the face. Okay, you just don't. Like, it doesn't matter because wrestler. And like jujitsu, like you're gonna get choked. Like, yeah, punch me, I'm gonna choke you. <laughs> and also, like, whatever in MMA, you box too. And yeah, whatever. So like, you lost. So what? So what? Who cares? That doesn't prove anything. You this, can, my friends, you can always tell when someone doesn't wrestle when they're because mm-hmm. they do make that. It's like you don't get punched in wrestling. It's like, what the fuck, are you talking about? <laughs> like, <laughs> I literally. In the face? Oh, yeah, you Kevin, do. A lot. This is every person I've heard talk, debate on the internet. Yeah. And I just – it 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 hurts my brain because these are things – like I love when people are like <laughs> – this is my favorite person in the world. The people who's like the media is going out there to break us all apart, you guys. CNN and something and fake news and the media – this is my favorite argument, by the way. But the reason why it's my favorite argument is because when they bring up those points, they don't really connect them. They just kind of say words. Media. Continuously. The talking media. Heads. The talking yet, heads are really obsessed with this. And this was a fun fight. These are fight. the same fuckers, though, Kevin, that are complaining that one sport is always going to be better than the other. Yeah. Because 
the hard part for me is I'm like, yo, I don't necessarily watch every boxing match, but when I go, I can appreciate what it is. Head and movement is insane. That is, movement, if I'm going to shit on movement. the fact that Mayweather and other boxers weren't doing this, by the way, uh, if I'm going to shit on the turning of the head, I'm going to say watching boxers' heads move is art. It's amazing. Yeah. It's great. And now you think about it and you say to yourself, okay, that's cool. And then on the MMA side, it's like always like, well, you guys don't know jujitsu and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, dude, there are times when sometimes I look over and I go, a beer and bowl is not going to save my life. It's just, I, not to my knowledge. It could, but it's going to be very rare that that's going to be the saving mechanism that like no movie ends in a beer and bolo. Though maybe John Wick 3 if I write that. Even a heel I hook. Just, just not as satisfying <laughs> for the end of a movie. But this is when the people are complaining about the media, like uh, disrupting people and turning them against each other. You are the same fuckers debating between boxing and fighting and fucking MMA and trying to like come up with some decisive answer. Yeah, Floyd would probably get worked by a takedown. And it would be fascinating to watch because we'd all like to see him lose. But he's not going to do it because you don't make as much money. And more importantly, He's retired now, Kevin. So plus, that's hard to go from boxing hard. to MMA as opposed to MMA to boxing. A little harder, not John financially. That's for sure, yeah. though. Shit. Those but guys on the same money. side, it's really respectful to look and say the facts. When it did get to the tenth round, Connor was getting a little exhausted because he up. had this yeah. high output. And he has been exhausted before. And I love when people say, like, oh, you know, he gasses all the time. Dude, I fight Nate Diaz. I'm gassing in 20 seconds. I also I don't know what. Interesting thing. That, that was a fun narrative. Like, I always take breaks during my fights. Like, oh, wait, what? I mean, oh. sure, you've gotten a oh, little yeah, t- <laughs> yeah, tired breaks <laughs> from fucking the round going longer than you wanted it to. Let's be very clear, though, Kev. When you uh, get a little bit knocked off there, it's not quite the best argument in the world. You know you're kind of like drawing at straws when you're like, hey, the whole thing with me getting pushed around and, and staggering, that's that's usual. I come back that's, after that's that. That's my game. Everybody knows. And you're like, okay, cool. Let's talk about the, the, the exact part of the end of the fight. I was good with the stoppage. I felt okay I about think it. It was a smidge early. Do you know why? Why? Because this whole thing, like I know boxing is a different world and us growing up in the world of boxing kind of first as a thing. When you think to these epic encounters and again, don't confuse me as saying this was an epic encounter for sheer boxer versus boxer on like a tale of a tape sort of thing. But you think knockdowns, you think people coming back, you think people getting that dramatic 10 count. This was a standing you're out on your feet sort of deal which isn't the most exciting. And Connor was making as much of an argument as saying like, oh, no, I, I want to go down, and that's just the way I am, and you, everybody knows that. And it's like, well, you don't get those rules here. You don't get to say like, hey, I mean, I need to like be knocked unconscious before it is. So all those things and more, Kevin. The stoppage was a little slow to me for this reason. Yes, first three rounds, Connor was kind of pushing the action. Floyd times him out, realizes there's no real power that is going to knock him out. Starts to smile at the camera. That's your first tell that he's not feeling anything. Now you start to wonder, is he going to go through the fourth round because it only becomes official at the fourth round? Okay, cool. So we go through the fourth round. Now Floyd starts picking away that timing, which then makes 
Connor go a little bit on the backpedaling. Some stupid rubric said whoever backed up first was going to be the one to lose. Womp womp, whatever. As this fight continues to go on, you see now Floyd picking his shots a little bit better. Connor still has a couple little small little good moments. And those of you who are really, really trying to tinkerbell him back to life, and uh, for the Irish, I think that means drinking more. I don't know the exact rules. It's not quite working. It keeps going, and we're seeing exactly play things play out the way that we thought they would. Fight progresses, fight progresses, fight progresses. Now you get to the point where you see Floyd really in the prime. And this is the nice part. He said that he owed us this fight, fans, because of the terrible fight between him and Pacquiao. I do understand that. But when we get to that last part, even though he's kind of piecing together better choices, it's still a little staggered. It's not anything fully all the way throughout the round. Connor still looks like he's at least trying to like sneak in a punch. But now it's breaking away like you fighting with your dad and your dad's like, all right, now I'm going to fucking hit you. So when it gets to the end, Kev, when Connor is getting a little rocked and you can see him being a little woozy, the minute Floyd kind of puts together a series of punches that kind of look like it's his first real full arsenal, and then they call it because he takes a few steps back. You don't get a standing count. You don't get anything. We just literally get like, okay, wave it off. It looked to me comedically. Again, I get the idea of protecting the fighters, but it looked to me like comedically like, oh, he hit you a few times. We're done. Okay. And they – poor referee, the the guy that had the worst job of the night. He kept having to scream, stop ducking, turn your head around, no hitting on the head. It's just like he was, was a parent of two two-year-olds on any given day through most of that ring. I would like to understand maybe a scotch more about boxing. Uh, I think I need to understand the clinch better because there were some looming questions for me. But overall, fun spectacle – and I think it's always a difficult thing to say who wins at the end of this. Obviously, the representation for both fighters are big winners. And in the next coming iteration of this, I'm excited to see what this opens up. Because this does really cross some, some borders in terms of... I think a lot of MMA athletes are going to be like, well, fucking, I can do that. Like I can stay in that. So this should be an interesting launching point. Let's talk a couple things. One, the two of these people, Conor McGregor, Floyd Mayweather, if you didn't pick up they were besties during the tour, you were missing the signals. So all this talk about people being like, oh, my God, they hate each other. No, they love their money. They love and in their fact, money. In fact, if anything, I love my fucking money. Okay, sorry. I had to get that out. They loved each other for the mere fact that they knew they would make a lot of money together. And they did. You know, Connor was revealed to make $30 million disclosed, according to ESPN, and Floyd's going to make $100 million off of this. He was claiming a little bit later in the press conference that it looks like he might make like $300 million. I don't know. I can't even pretend to know these things because, again, five fight IQ, can't read, so he might have missed a decimal. I don't know these things. Kev, you're right. Hopefully, this does get us in a new era. Where I don't mind seeing people cross sports and do this, but what I really want is the fighters to get more opportunities to make just a fucking little bit more money. And it is nice to know that Connor's going to go back to the UFC, but there's something weird about this situation where it was a shit show, but it was a fun shit show. And it went 10 rounds. And yeah, Floyd might have let Connor get through more of that fight, but it was still entertaining to watch. 
I still was just fine with it. And even though, and I did say this, and don't get me wrong, yes, the stoppage was like a little early. I think we all knew how the book was going to end. I think we knew that trajectory of Connor being really gassed and really exhausted really was was tough. But this is where I talk about this idea of having respect for the mutual arts or the mutual fighting disciplines, which is uh, Floyd is 40 and able to go through those rounds because he's done it forever. It's second nature to him. But he's still 40. That's still impressive. And for Connor to make the adjustments to do that sort of thing. Old man credit. And make his way through this. I mean, I know a lot of people are saying, yeah, he's in the prime of his life. But conversely, you could say, if you don't believe anything I just said in the past five minutes, it did take one of the best of all times to knock out a relative novice in ten rounds. That's a good joke, guys. That's a really good joke. Somebody (laughs) made a meme with that. But the idea is this. I think to have uh, certain amounts of respect because here's the thing. Those two look like they were paid to compliment each other because they kept throwing them at being like, you got to respect Connor. He's a warrior. He was awesome. Wasn't downplaying anything. He left that to his dad. Floyd let his dad say, he was like, oh, yeah, I wasn't impressed. Fuck that shit. Left it to Snoop Dogg. Fuck that shit. He was terrible. All those sorts of things. Oscar De La Hoya. All those people are talking about how bad Connor was. On the same side, you look at those things and you go, man, it was still entertaining for the following reason, though. Yeah, he was a relative novice. Yeah, we might have to deal with this poly thing, and I'm not really a fan of Can, that. We do need to talk about that. Can we make a quick rule that says no scorned training partner lovers are allowed to be behind the commentary booth? What are you talking about? I mean, I, I was I was back there, but I, was, I wasn't talking about He almost about got in a fight with what a dick he was being about Connor McGregor. He's back, okay? I went over to him, and I saw, and it was like, Connor, what are you doing over here? I, I just happened to be in the area, and I didn't know he was going to be there. I, I, I mean, I knew I came to the press conference, but he was there, and I was just like, hey, I made you a cake. And he was like, I, I don't fucking want that cake, so now I want to fight him. At several points, he was like, I mean, Floyd's, Floyd's not even punching. Yeah, obviously, he's not even punching. It's like, yeah, when he starts punching, he's going he's gonna to knock him out. Floyd's already tired. He's kind of tired. Kind of, and they, oh, God. The announcers, uh, that was my favorite, the amount of they messed up the name. There was a lot of McGregor's when they met Mayweather and vice versa, which was really fun. Yeah. And here's the nice part, Kev. Now that we get the benefit of watching it a little bit later, uh, today, I believe Polly said that he was only doing 34% during sparring. And that's thanks to our good friend uh, Pablo who sent that my way. He was like, yeah, it was only, uh, you know, I was only doing uh, 34% when I was uh, sparring with him because I-, I wanted to see what he-, he was all about, which progressively sounds more and more like somebody who got the ass fucking handed to them when they went into a sparring session. But I'll say this, Kev. I only go 23% on this podcast. You know why? Why? To give other podcasts a chance. That's nice of you. I I've took something else away from this fight, excuse wise. Yeah. The next time people are like, "Are you tired?" It's like, "Oh, everyone knows in jiu-jitsu, I take the <laughs> second through ninth round <laughs> to just try and uh, get my lungs underneath me. I'll be back in the tenth. Don't worry." It's like we're only doing six rounds. It's like, "Oh, really? Okay. Well, you know, gotta go. I'll see you guys next time." I just uh, um, see you're thinking uh, macro. I'm thinking micro. Which is like, yeah, everybody knows I take the first five minutes of a roll off. And then <laughs> six go. minutes where I come. Everybody knows that. I know that. You know that, too. I wait for that 30-second buzzer to be like, boo, boo, boo. Oh, now it's time to go. 
I get so excited when we do seven minute rounds. It's just because <laughs> that's my prime, right? But. So, okay. So there, there's all that. Um, there was another story that happened behind the scenes, though, Kevin. And I'm not sure if you knew what that was. I, I actually, Raph, I need to put you on hold. We have oh. a big night ahead. We're going to talk to Professor oh, okay. Jabera later. But right now, uh, I need to bring on a different person to ask about the specific event you're alluding to. And I will uh, introduce them as I mute you and step on it. Here to explain what happened between he and Brendan Schaub. And if Schaub decided to run away during the match or if he was prepared to stick around and talk smack, Nate Diaz. Nate! From the 209, what happened? Why, why did you get into a verbal altercation with Brendan Shabby's? Hold on real quick. I don't even know if I'm here right now. Hold on. No, you're on. It's working. Oh, shit. Uh, um, shit. First, um, was, that, was that this weekend? Yeah, it, uh, it was Saturday behind, uh, I guess, I don't know, behind the scenes is what this is like. I don't know if you were at the concession yeah. uh, at the Conor McGregor fight. No, I was there. Um, like they had me on standby in case like Connor couldn't make it. I was gonna go out there and I was gonna fucking. <laughs> That's. I was gonna go box that little fucking midget and I was gonna be like, "Fuck you." That would have been a great contingency plan. Absolutely, I, yeah, man. I mean, nobody ever like told me that was the plan. That was just what I thought. Just why you went there? <laughs> I do. Yeah, that's what I thought was gonna happen. So, okay, so you're there, and then you yeah. see Shab, and you're like, "Hey, I don't like that guy." What happened? Yeah, like, why does anybody fucking like Brandon Shop? That's my fucking question. Oh, it's not an unfair was, question. I will. say. No, I mean, I asked the real podcast. fucking real shit because I'm a real motherfucker in this fucking place. No, fuck Brandon Shop because like, who the fuck's this guy? You know, oh, he's like a boxing expert all of a sudden. Like, remember this is a guy who like shut down Cyborg, and I'm like, dog, you didn't shut down shit. You shut down a buffet. I've seen that shit. I know you fucking eat. <laughs> And as a weed connoisseur, you know about the buffet. I mean, allegedly, you you do. Yo, breaks. dog, Vegas has the best buffets. I hit up the fucking Wynn buffet, and I was like, yeah, oh, yeah, give me a fucking prime rib. Um, wait, am I a vegetarian? I don't know for this bit. So, so I, my hair, we'll, we'll, get, um, we'll do a little bit more research on your diet, champ, and then I'll get we, back uh, to you. With that, uh, can we possibly get me a fact check real quick? Yeah. I'm not really sure. If I, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll check our. I'll check our appearance agreement on if we have to endorse veganism. Fuck you, dog. Okay, listen. I'm not even listening to this right now. You know why? <laughs> I'm fucking watching. Are you guys up on this fucking um, uh, sub only uh, show the art finishers shit, dog? Yeah, a little bit. Dog, this is a fourth fucking installment. I'm fucking watching it right now because I don't fucking listen to you fucking dorks. But like, I'm watching it. These motherfuckers are fucking go for it, dog. Well, we wanted the story. Uh, we almost got it. That was close enough. That was further than I thought we were going to get about Shab. That's for sure. Thanks for swinging by the podcast this evening. The one, the only, Nate Diaz. Oh, dog, hold on. I'm going to tell you one more thing. So it's fucking... It's like absolute motherfuckers. So it's like big guys and like little guys. Oh, I, you know what I mean? Talk like you see I, shit? I do, actually. I like that about jujitsu. Big guys, little guys. That's what I'm saying. Like, oh shit, Conor McGregor and Floyd Mayweather, same fucking fight. Uh, whatever, the same weight. At least one thing. I'll tell you one thing real quick before we fucking finish. I'll tell you this much. They might be the same weight, but like, do you see Conor McGregor's fucking dick? Uh, actually, yeah, I did see that picture that you're referring to. 
it uh, looked like there was a water bottle yeah. in there. What did you think about To bring back uh, oh. an old reference. Hey, you beat him. So, in, in a no, I mean, I beat him, but you didn't see him fucking putting his fucking dick in my face. That's all I'm saying. Anyway, guys, that's all I got for right now. Sub fucking only for life. All that bullshit. Finish the sub only. That's the fucking shit. I fucking love that And, uh, yeah, he's got a fucking dick boner, dude. I'm not about that shit, so... Let's see if he fights me number three. That's all I got. I uh, We're all cheering for that. Let's just be super clear. Ladies and gentlemen, Nate Diaz, uh, I'm going to bring Raf back on uh, to disappointingly tell you we did not get the scoop on why Brandon Schaub and Nate Diaz are beefing. But, you know, look forward to one of those 10-second clips where well, Brendan's hold explaining on. I was, it. I like was listening to, I was listening to it in, in my, my ears because I still get the feed. Um it sounds like he explained his point very clearly. Oh, would you care to? Like he he said, I I mean, Kev, I heard it, and he said he's a bitch. Which, if Nate Diaz was a lawyer, that's exactly how he would lawyer. <laughs> you just that's he's a bitch. It's like we told you not to defend yourself, Mister Diaz. Your Honor, he's a bitch. The defense rests. <laughs> is what I think. In 2017, I do think that wins six out of seven court trials. <laughs> Our, uh, yes. I, I, go ahead. I, I just want to say this. Uh, he did bring up some very nice things. Uh, absolute finals. Uh, Dan Martinez, I believe, ended up winning uh, the show the art. So congratulations over that way. Um, and then on, I believe, the female side, uh, just some really fucking good athletes. And I want to send a big shout out to our buddy, uh, Huber, who represented the USSGL, uh, ended up getting caught via Kimura, but he, he had a sick-looking match, dude. And uh, couldn't be prouder of him, man. So, yes, your winners from the sub-only, a.k.a. the finishers, show the art tournament. You had Dan Martinez winning $2,000. Amanda Levy, or Leave, I don't know. Tell me I'm saying it wrong. Won 2K as well. Fastest submission went to Sarah Monzaligo. I'm messing up that name. 53-second armbar, and best non-leg lock submission went to Jess Ray Chelray, which I think you can't have Ray in both of your names, if I'm being so honest. Just kidding, Jess. We know you. You're great. <laughs> you have as many as you want. Performance, Jess Feliciano, who had a great performance. I was a really big fan of hers. So they put on a really, really good show, and uh, they also have a really cool super fight, if you haven't seen it with Grace, on that uh, telecast. So go support those guys. They are about that sub movement. And they are our friends, and I really love the fact that they were so nice to bring out somebody from the USSGL to compete in their absolute tournament. So that's what I got there, Kev. Um, yeah, that's that's the stuff, man. I think that's uh, it's going to take us through. Let's go talk uh, some Masters Worlds, and right before we do that, I want to talk about our new friend, Raph. KO Sports Gear. Head over mm. to KOSportsGear.com because I need the listeners to weigh in on something. You and, you and I disagree about our favorite singlet that <laughs> KO Sports Gear provides. It has to provide geese. You get a lot of no gi equipment, geese. Boxing equipment. If you guys are listening and you're a boxing expert, oh, that's you that our boxing fans. But specifically, I, I, I don't care about your opinions on all those products. I only care about which of the singlets is your favorite. Raph and I have chosen. 
Mm-hmm. We have a certain feeling, and I want to get people's vibe on this. You know where to find us on social media. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Twitter. You can find us on Instagram. You can find us via Batlight if you change it to say Verbal Tap. We will show up. Mm-hmm. You can do all of these things and let us know with just snippet, show us from the website, link it, whichever, because, uh, you know, Raph and I want to prove the other one's right. And, I and think I'm more right. importantly, I know I'm right. I know for sure I'm right. And I want to see if you guys can pick as well. The ones you think both of us liked on the singlets. There's a lot to be had here. Head over yes. to KOSportsGear.com. We're going to talk more about them, but I need you to go and let me know about your singlet choice. Yes. Let's go chat with Professor Magic. Verbal Tap fans, I have it on good authority that this is a rumor, Raph, but mm-hmm. I have it on good rumor authority, a.k.a. I'm pretty sure it's what happens, okay. that our guest tonight, Professor Matthew Kevin Jubera, I saw his whole name so frequently this weekend, <laughs> I can keep saying it without a bit, I, he just got back from the all-night Hibero champion private party. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know that it exists, but let's find out now. Uh, online from Jubera Jiu-Jitsu, Professor Matthew Jubera, how are you doing this evening, sir? I'm doing, I'm doing great, doing great over here. Can you confirm Thanks or deny you got done with Masters Worlds? You, Mr. Waddle, the Hibieros, <laughs> uh, that other guy, Raphael something, I, I, it eludes me. Something. something with an L. You guys got on a yacht and just headed towards Cuba. Is that true? Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, some people got seasick, but you got to throw down <laughs> when, when the opportunity arises. Yeah, I will say, even if this fantasy of mine was a uh, reality, I feel like Shunji would roll out some mats and be like, all right, let's get training. We, there's no reason not to drink <laughs> and uh, work some guard work. So You guys think you're not drilling? Huh? Huh? No. That's why, oh, yeah. No, you're not getting away from this. How do you feel Thursday no, morning? Most fantasy there. No. Yeah, uh, they, the crowd's used to our delusions about the jiu-jitsu, obviously. We're so well-funded, we have yacht money. Uh, yeah. How do you wake up Thursday morning? How do you feel before you go on on basically a perfect tear? Uh, I woke up on Thursday morning uh, a little concerned about my weight, actually. And uh, luckily, the scales there seem pretty light. I made weight you know, on the, on the scales at the hotel, but... I was a little nervous about my weight, so it was pretty relieving to, you know, go there on those scales and and not have to worry about my weight at all, and then just normal warm up and everything, and and let it rip. So there was no, you didn't wake up and have that superpower moment. Your green ring is like lighting up next <laughs> to you because uh, you kind of. Yeah, I wish I had a green ring. You looked like you had the touch. So I half expected like Rocky was sitting there as you woke up and was just like, "It's your day, Jubera." yeah i wish that happened every time you know yeah the results were were amazing but i don't think there was anything uh you know that much different versus versus any other any other tournament you know try try to prepare them all the same and and see what happens out there that's the fun of it but kev here's what you should know the entire tournament was talking about you so it was very fun to hear so many friends complimenting uh you know someone who's close to this show because full disclosure you are Kevin's professor. 
you hold it in your fate to choke his life out consistently, mm-hmm. and we applaud you for doing that. That is a, a big premium yeah. for us here on the show. His chokes. Yeah, I try to keep Kevin in check. His chokes are pretty nice. <laughs> it's the arm bars that are constantly like something that scares me. That's the Kevin, one I'm definitely going to get. You presented me to him, and I understand what his arm bars feel like. That's yeah. not the issue. I just want him to know that he is welcome to choke you unconscious, and that's fine. Anyway, that's not here nor there. The thing that happened, though, that I was so fascinated, and I was trying to tell this to Kevin, but I was like, if you really wanted to find uh, Professor Jubera at this tournament, you basically had to look two places. One, the podium. Every time I saw you, you were at the podium, which meant either team members were doing great or uh, people in the association were doing great. And I kept turning around, and I was like, oh, my God, he's, he's here. Like every time I was there, I felt like you were around or you had somebody who was placing and I felt very happy about that. But the second key determinant was knowing where Rafael Lovato Jr. is. So when two tall people hang out next to each other, they are easier to spot, Kevin. Yes. And not small guys, either of you. No. But no, here's and, and our... you got to throw the third, the third uh, large, very white, bald guy is uh, James Popolo. I, so yeah. he closed out the uh, ultra heavyweight. I don't want him to uh, to miss out. He's almost as pale as I am. So yeah, we can we can throw a couple barbs his way. Nice beard, though. The funny thing is, yeah, it is it is an epic beard. I I just have neck hair, so nothing nothing to show there. Uh, Lotto Senior is always laughing at me. You know, he's always like, "Yeah, you're so easy to spot. You're you're, you're just glowing out there. You're so white." You know, so <laughs> compared to everyone else. I mean, a nice that's, tan or something. That's a little unfair because the Lovatos were gifted with good tans. So yeah, they, they, they got a little bit of a special gift. But I, I guess the reason why it's so funny to me is because, and I didn't notice this until this tournament, but you made Rafael Lovato Jr. laugh so hard. And I'm like, I'm a comedian and I don't make him laugh that hard. He doesn't How enjoy do you us. do that? <laughs> yeah, I know. He's, he's not a, a fan of our music. He's fine. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't, you know, you try to. You try to get into that inner circle a little bit, just get your butt kicked for, you know, 15 or 20 years or something like that. And then, uh, yeah, then you try to crack a joke or, or two and, and see if he responds. Uh, <laughs> Pass. Um, <laughs> but, you know, we were alluding to this on the, uh, the when we were, before we went on the air, which is like Lovato keeps this high standards for Rafael's that I can't live up to. So whenever I'm around him. And someone yells out like, hey, Raphael, we both turn around and I'm always consistently being like, oh, the important one. Yeah, that makes sense. That's who you were talking about. So every once in a while, I have to pull him aside and be like, listen, you need to stay very far away from me because I get way too self-conscious when I'm around you. And he's just like, ha, eat it. I'm going to go laugh yeah, at I think, bear over here. Yeah, I think you get uh, you know, called professor one too many times and you go to one of these uh, Masters World <laughs> tournament and someone yells professor and like 30 people turn and you're like, what were the chances it was for me? <laughs> we have well, and, speaking of which, your name got called a few times this week. So let's, Kevin was asking you the beginning of your day. Take us more into when the competition goes because you had a great weekend and my good friend uh, John Evans who was doing commentary had such high high things to say about you like high regards was just like oh my god i want to train with them so we're gonna send them your way one of these days but do you know that you're on fire when it's happening like is there something internal you're like oh, i'm feeling it today you know i just sort of took it one match at a time and uh i got off to a really good start in the first match 
you know, it was a tough, uh, tough guy wearing a Cabrinha patch and he was trying to play some worm guard, was able to rack up a bunch of points past his guard, mounted a little solo choke there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I had, had a good little bit of, you know, energy going from that. And then the next guy I didn't know at the time was the 2015 champ. Um, I knew he was, this the, would be the arm match as I refer to it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, yeah, that was a tough break there. Uh, Pun intended. Been, uh, so, I yeah, turned it on just in time to get silvered, as I refer to it. Oh, uh, I clicked it on. I had missed like I had missed your first fight, and I was I guess in tuned and finally figured out where the effing you were on the entire IBJJF website. <laughs> Click to it right in yeah. time for you to uh, you know we we got to tap aggressively in these things. That's I told people up front. You got to watch out for this guy's arm bars. They kind of come out of nowhere. Got a little elbow pop. From my understanding, yeah. yeah, you know, I thought it was a verbal tap to be honest on the first armbar. Then it switched into an omoplata, and then it ended up being sort of a Clark Gracie style finish on on the mm-hmm. omoplata, sort of from that sit out position. Uh, he was a really tough guy, you know, 2015 champ, and he was under the GFT uh, team, which is you know obviously an amazing team. You know, I ended up fitting three GFT guys that day all of them are super tough and he beat a tough guy in his first match. So I knew he was going to be tough. So for me to beat that guy in under two minutes, you know, I think gave me a lot of momentum going into the, uh, you know, the next three, three matches or so. And the next three go similarly though in your third fight, I believe you pull guard, which you had uh, been in top position and same like, but you pulled guard and swept pretty quickly. What in -hmm. your game, you have a strong judo wrestling and just a long time training in the background of stand up arts. Mm-hmm. What triggers in your mind to be like, I'm going to pull guard sweep? Yeah, it's always sort of a case by case basis. I try not to go out there with too much of a game plan in terms of whether I'm going to throw the guy or take the guy down. I always look for it, always try to threaten with it in case I want to use it later in the match. Those GFT guys I know are so good at judo, they're so well rounded. I just try to take what feels right and go with it. You know, I. I, I train guard pulls a lot. I train stand up a lot. I was just in wrestling practice today. I keep working on it. It's something you can't put enough time into. But you just gotta flow with the go. Wrestling, the gentler <laughs> art, as they as they <laughs> refer to it. So the next two go, and I want to talk about the most nerve wracking moment as a spectator. It. Yeah. At this point, I learned a valuable lesson about commentary in jiu-jitsu, by the way, Raph. So you hadn't been scored upon. I I didn't know that because I didn't watch the first fight. I knew you'd won it, but I didn't know if there was an advantage or they'd started out somewhere. So I'd say right as you pass into a pretty dominant position in the final match, which you you were pretty much... I mean, you got off to a good start, scored some points, had some confidence, kept moving, which was kind of your theme. Mm-hmm. Going to pass a guard, you're going to start getting in a loop. Some sort of collar choke when your hand went in. A good Hibero mm-hmm. mark, as we saw. But in that moment, the commentary goes, you know he's perfect today. He's submitted mm-hmm. all his opponents. He hasn't been scored on, not even an advantage. And you were up maybe 8 or 9-0. Uh, I was positive that was the moment you were going to get swept for the first time. And he was going to score yeah, two you points. You don't talk about the shutout. You don't talk about the shutout. In Thank hockey, you. Big Red Wings. Exactly. <laughs> I was sitting there you. in a gas, just like, wait, what? Uh, fortunately, you were unfazed. 
did anyone mention it to you as you're going into the final match? No, I didn't really think about it until Tom Oberhue, who had been coaching me a lot of that day, pretty much he was in my corner the whole day. He's the guy with the, the crazy big megaphone because he has some uh, yes. issues or whatever. <laughs> He's had throat surgery before, so he brings a megaphone, which I'm totally going to steal at the next local tournament. I'm going to get like a huge megaphone and start shouting at everybody. But I, that he, he, he mentioned it in his Facebook post, and that's where, uh, where I heard it first. And then I, was, then I got all upset about it because I feel like I got screwed on some points, to be honest. Uh, like in my semifinal <laughs> match, they didn't give me pass. I finished with a mounted guillotine, so I think it should have been should have been another seven on that total. But you know, I try not to try not to nitpick the refs too bad. You know, Apparently, the best out there. Yeah, that's a good Lovato Kev, answer, though. He'll be proud of that one. Kev, was that John who said that? Uh, you know, I'm trying to think. I really do think it was John that made the observation. It was in a rant about your passing. Uh, John was just like, well, this has been the theme of the day for him, and Raph does a better John impression, especially oh, when he's no. excited. But you got yeah. excited John voice, which he's reserved for <laughs> some very all... few matches. Kev, would you like me to? Give I a would. Just, what that it, was, like? it was about his passing and his pressure. Just all day he's been. <laughs> you got the. So, so much like you have a bond where that you know you are talking to your instructor right now. John is one of my instructors, and oh, uh, I know his cadence, and he is—he has a true passion. You should when you're doing commentary, but sometimes I have to tell him like, "Hey, John, like tone it down, dude. Like we get it. You're excited." But because he gets so excited about it, a lot of times it starts with being like, oh, well, uh, you see right over here, Matt Jubera is doing really well. Oh, and he's getting, oh, I think he just got past. And that's a shame because I brought up the fact just a minute before that uh, he had no points scored against him. Guess that didn't come back to haunt him right now. <laughs> he was, it was just very like, you know, he hasn't been scored on. <laughs> it's like, hey, hey, man, give it two minutes. Uh, he's doing great, but. Uh, you are l headed towards the meme category because you flashed a very confident smile. <laughs> uh, Jaber is a nice oh, guy. He's a confident fighter. <laughs> he felt good after winning via submission. Do you have yeah, a, pretty good. How do you feel about the picture captured? Talk us through the excitement. You, you win again. Oh, just, just the finish on the, on the final match? Yeah. Yeah, I, I didn't think I was going to tap that guy. You know, he... It wasn't something that wasn't a goal of mine to go in and, and submit any, like, you know, you just go into these matches thinking it was, it's just all going to be a war. You know, I got to mount and, uh, you know, he ended up really trying to fight out pretty hard to, uh, to escape the mount and gave up his back a little bit. And I got that Ezekiel. And when I felt that Ezekiel go in, you know, I heard Shanji saying Ezekiel, 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 and, you know, put it in and, you know, felt it go in deep. And it's like, holy, holy shit, it's going to you know, it's actually going to get the submission on that. So yeah, to finish with all five submissions, I, I hadn't done that in a IBGF tournament. Um, and to do it at, at that tournament was, was pretty sweet. And to have both Sal and Shanji there. Yeah. I was just yeah, having the time of my life out there. That's fantastic. <laughs> and I do like that Shanji's like Ezekiel and shout out to Eric Co, who we, I would <laughs> like to have on. You teach a pretty aggressive Ezekiel game. I've been in, fortunate for your gi and your no gi ezekiel the no gi one you teach yeah. which seemed like kind of what you were putting in almost um on the side which is uh it's aggressive but eric finished on a fight to win stage with a similar choke 
So it might be a Hebero thing. You celebrate. Yeah, yeah we. Sorry, I'm cutting you off. No, you... Go ahead. No. You celebrate. You're also Will's fighting over on the other side, it seems like, during your run. Uh, how do you calibrate then your excitement to go back and coach? Because you have quite a few students. That's the weirdness of Masters. It starts with Black Belt, which is kind of fun. It's a good switch up. Uh, but then you have to coach. Yeah, it's an amazing switch up. How yeah, the only that? hard thing was that. You know, I didn't have time to eat. I think, you know, I try to do like a little bit of a, you know, one of the secrets is the little Marshawn Lynch, you know, bunch of Skittles before my match and, uh, you know, going a little bit of a sugar high. But then it was a little bit of a sugar crash, you know, for uh, Waddle's, Waddle's matches. I had Sean Waddle, who's a, who won the brown belt uh, featherweight master two division. He had five matches. Uh, I was a lot more nervous coaching him than, than for myself. So, you know, I just, thought you know i didn't have the you know any pressure on me after that so i just gotta throw all my energy at my guys and you know get some food later yeah sean who also won which is uh, a big congrats and as he's been named on the podcast i also named him to my surgeon when they asked about what might have happened to me back in the day um i'm including brown belts in that especially especially the people we train with what's the rest of you guys need to give me some highlights from the rest of masters worlds as we upslope. Obviously I saw Lovato surprised to see him doing that top game pressure pass. That's fun for, it's a nice switch up for him. Um, how do we talk smack on Lovato's game? Raph, do you have like a, uh, I will tell you the actual real smack of, that we can talk about Lovato because this is the real, real. We have Jubera here, who's a good filter. I think this is the only time that we can potentially venture this direction. So, Lovato double golds. I don't know if you guys see this. And this is the true benefit of being on hand to see it happen so that I can come back and tell you guys the stories. So, he happened to be waiting to podium around the time that my friend, Eric, who uh, got a silver in brown belt, uh, he was waiting to go up and podium as well. So I was like, oh, great. I'm going to get to see Lovato up here. This is awesome. So they have Lovato go first, and they have all those people go up there, and it's awesome to see, except for one thing. Lovato goes to the second-place step, and as he goes to the second-place step, he goes to hop up to the first place, and he almost eats it, Kevin. That's unlike him as a box jumper. I mean, I've seen him train. <laughs> I know, and I went up to him afterwards because he takes the photos and nothing happens. And he sees me, he's like, hey, Raph, what's up? And I'm like, can I tell you, you just scared me in a way that has never happened with you. And he's like, what's that? I was like, you make it through jujitsu and MMA, and the podium's going to take you out? <laughs> that lucky <laughs> gee, that lucky gee, it gets heavy yeah. at the end of a lot of winning. And he just looks at me, he just looks at me and he's like, yeah, that can't happen, huh? And I was like, I can't report that. Like, Rafael Lovato, injured, can't go to ADCC due to podium. <laughs> Crushing. And yeah, Crushing. you're headed to train with him. You ju- you I dropped almost... that bomb on us right before this, which I have to. Yes. You're headed yeah, for head some no-gi punishment? Yeah, a lot of no-gi punishment. The other badass out there is uh, a guy named Brian Piccolo, who's probably 10 years older than us or something like that. He was a big 10 champ for Michigan state. I think back in the day, I think he's a judo Olympic alternate. 
um, took up judo in like his thirties, you know, and made it to pretty much the highest levels of all that stuff. So he's why would you the, do uh, that though? Oh, he's, like at thirty, he's, like yeah. I, my my body's breaking down at thirty, and I'm like, oh my god, you're gonna take judo now? No. Yeah, he's pretty much like the all-American hero. He was like a SWAT guy for the Oklahoma City PD. He now runs all their training camp stuff, uh, their police academy stuff, and teaches grappling a couple days a week. And then, you know, when we're down there, we you know spend a couple couple days of training uh, with him on our awesome. feet and everything. So we're both always uh, picking his brain, like you know how to how to get the better of the other one. And you know, so we're all you know he'll grab you know Piccolo for ten <laughs> minutes and, and ask him how do I deal with with this and this, and I grab him, you know, I act like I'm drilling. I'm just staring over what Piccolo showing Raphael to beat me. And then I go up <laughs> and pick Piccolo's brain. Like, okay, Raphael's grabbing my wrist a lot. Do with these mammoth hands. <laughs> God does have some, he would have, basketball would have been a good alternative for his body style. So down in Oklahoma, and he's got a few people that are killers. Does anyone else join Is Popolo making an appearance? I don't know what this camp looks like. Uh, Shanj is going to show up later in the week. Uh, we're talking about some other wrestlers joining us, I think. Um, you know, the other thing I'm a little bit nervous about is, uh, you know, he's got the, the UFC video game, and uh, and I beat him like four to two. He almost broke his controller. Um, so I got <laughs> I got to defend my defend my streak there as well. So see if I can get him, he's, he's, he's slightly competitive as a person. I'm not sure. If he's no, that's <laughs> surprising. No, yeah. you mean the guy who would, we found out he was doing masters worlds last year on a whim and we're like, Raphael, let them have something. Why, <laughs> why do you have to do this one too? And like, he just like, and this is him being as honest as possible. He's like, guys, I can't help myself. He can't. Like, That's true. He you really can tell. can't, dude. You can tell. It's just too <laughs> gleeful. He starts that smash pass. He might as well just stop. Give us the wave. Sign it. He gets excited. Uh, you're headed to Oklahoma. You Hold on, Kev. A good Kev. Yeah. I need to. I need to get an answer here. How did you beat him in UFC? Because some of us may want to win at something against him, and it's definitely never going to be jujitsu. <laughs> So I'd like to know what the secret is. I'm gonna I'm gonna pick your brain, like you pick judo no, brains. Like a, yeah, no, you uh, you asked the right questions here. So, Thank you. you know, he, he it's his game, and I don't have a you know, a, you know, PC gamer by trade. So I was not uh, I was not up on this game at all. So you know, and he picks, and he had like first choice of characters. So he's picking like the most. He's picking like Bruce Lee, like the <laughs> hidden characters who are like freaking unbeatable. <laughs> But I also think that, you know, he doesn't have, you know, the best training partners for this. You know, I don't know if he's playing with. So <laughs> while he's like picking out Bruce Lee's character, I'm nonchalantly, you know, going through my, uh, through my phone, quickly Googling, you know, how to, how to do a tie clinch, you know, how to do ground and pound. And uh, yeah, I just out Googled him on that stuff, you know, acted like I, I didn't know, even know how I was clinching so well and just, you know. <laughs> So, need the uh, crap out of them. So you Trojan horse the information a little bit. That's nice. It's a good hidden, yeah, hidden gem. Mm -hmm. Rap. Yeah. This is a lot of notes we'll about beating him, but I do yeah, think we'll see if he. We'll see if he listens to your podcast here. If I get an easy win, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or if his people, because I assume well, it's a whole team now. Here's what's gonna happen. He's gonna listen to this podcast and be so mad that you mentioned he lost. Like he's gonna be like, oh man, I'm so happy that you guys mentioned the wins, and it was a great day for the Hibera Association. Super positive stuff, 
And then the minute we're going to be like, oh, and he lost at this, and he's going to be like, what? How dare you? <laughs> Ruthless vengeance on all of you the next time I roll with you. Well, fortunately, he's going to see at least one of us in the near future. And, uh, you know, sadly, I'm surgically injured. So, yeah, I know. I know. Stepping into, <laughs> the, into the den on that one. And, like, I feel like I always run into him, and I'm like, if he's doing, like, a seminar or something, or, like, I almost ran into him again uh, doing a seminar at Cobra Kai because I was trying to find a time to go there. And then this is my reaction. They go, oh, he's doing a seminar. And I was like, of course he is. That's like a that's like a tradition for him to go over there and do a seminar. But then I like walked over. I was like, hey, man, I couldn't make it out to your seminar. And he gave me that look like, yeah, dude, you're lucky you get to live another day. And I was like, yep. <laughs> <laughs> and I like hearing people talk about stories of rolling with him. Because I, I was just speaking with Ryan Ford from the Grappling Central podcast, who also talked about it. Everyone just describes it as something different. I've seen it up close at the seminar he did at, and this is a good plug time for Jubera Jiu-Jitsu. If you're out in Denver, mm-hmm. Colorado, in the Broomfield area specifically, and you want to get tired because it is at mm-hmm. altitude. That's a yep. fair warning for the first few weeks. Yep. And learn from the guy that did a sub-only tournament at a not-sub-only tournament. Matt Jibera. <laughs> you guys need to tell me about the heavyweight grappling pre, which I was pleasantly surprised was during this. I had no idea. I feel <laughs> like the commercial came out and I was like, oh, awesome. Didn't get to see any of the fights. You, you want my interpretation of it or what's going on? Yeah, well, let's start you, with let's start you with know more corner. of what you're talking I was gonna about. Say, so. You would have watched <laughs> intently. Uh, what I did would... you see? Who were you impressed with? Man, I was pretty impressed in the first match with Demetrius Souza. He fought uh, Bushesha, and you know, obviously Bushesha is on top of the world. And uh, Demetrius, you know, played a great game. Like, you know, I remember you know Lovato talking about his flexibility. I just watched some of his matches at uh, Worlds, you know, on um, Flow Grappling or whatever. And you know, he plays a lot of pant leg and sleeve, and he really impressed me with his guard retention. He kept it really close. I think it was. You know, just advantage for a long time. Uh, I think Bushesha scored a second advantage, but really made him work uh, a lot harder than than I expected. Um, In most circles, that would be considered a huge win over Bushesha because uh, keeping him at bay is a very difficult thing to do. (laughs) Yeah, he's given up a lot of weight there, and you know, he's Mm -hmm. facing a ten-time world champion or whatever uh, Bushesha is. And yeah, I thought he he really impressed me. Um, just keeping it that close, you know, had Drizel in his corner, I think, and, you know, looked great. Mm. Um, other matches, what was the, what was the rest of the first round? Pejapano fought, did he fight? There was a Galvo, there was a low. Yes. Um, uh, yeah, uh, let's see. Who did, who did everyone fight? I know Shanji fought Galvo. Um, you know, was Shanji again, supposed to be in this? Did he know he was? He was a late, he was, he was a late entry. And, uh, you know, I still thought it was, you know, Galvao is is amazing. You know, I, I love watching Galvao. You know, Shanji's beat him. They fought seven times before that. So going in, Galvao had only beaten him the one time, which was like at mm-hmm. midnight. Obviously, I'm a biased source. Uh, but he only, <laughs> you know, one time at like midnight at Abu Dhabi or something like that and, uh, and beating him on advantages. Um, but it was like going into it, you know, in my head, I'm just like, just don't pull guard Shanji because, you know, uh, Galvao moves so well. And, you know, I don't, not that Galvao could actually solidify a pass on Shanji, but he could start racking up advantages. 
And, you know, Shanji's not always the best guard at, at coming back. He's such a dominant fighter. He, you know, he can sweep, pass, and mount. Um, but, you know, that's, that's how Galval beat him before, was just racking up a couple advantages. Um, and I think they both got, like, a penalty for stalling on the feet, and that's when Shanji pulled and, and Galval racked up a couple advantages um, and moved on to face low in the, in the semis. Um, I can't remember much about what, what happened in, in Lowe's first match again. So just to, uh, yeah, just to kind of walk you through, uh, he had, I believe, uh, Evangelista question mark. Mm. And I believe oh, yeah, that, that ended fight. by Kimura, which was awesome. Uh, so that was really good to see, uh, Gio Rocha versus, uh, Marcel Cruz, uh, again, uh, fairly, fairly close match. So then we get to the semifinals and we got Buchecha, uh, versus Yao again, which, uh, did end in a submission, which was great. And Leandro Lowe and Andre Galvao uh, put on a, a very good match as well. So then we get to the final, Kev. And you have Buchecha versus Lowe. And no, I don't Raph, wanna... that was uh, Last Worlds. That was the other no, one. it was this one, too. No, no, no. It was two years ago. I remember no, it's just... it, it happened again. It was this one, too? It, it did. Okay. Um, <laughs> they up, just... The best part bad. about it, though... <laughs> the best part about this, though, Kev, is at the very end of the match, uh, spoiler alert... Uh, Buchecha defeated Lowe by a referee's decision, and um, satisfying. <laughs> that's whatever. That's well, why everybody. Had here's the hardest it. part about it because it is unsatisfying in the sense that there's not necessarily a score, and you know they both had one advantage each. So okay, what it is satisfying is in the sense that you watch these two people who are just very well matched together. And you know that they're friends. And how do you know that, Kevin? Because when they both were holding their oversized checks, Leandro Lowe was staring lovingly at one Buchecha. And there's a meme that says, find you a person who stares at you the way that Leandro Lowe stares at Marcus Buchecha Almeida. <laughs> they train together a lot. I get it. They do. But, like, we've always said this on our show, which is, you know, Kevin and I are the best of friends. But, like, if you put the difference between 40,000 and 10,000, I'm going to ask Professor Jubera, like, which knee was it again that he's hurt? <laughs> Friendship over. We'll find Friendship a way. Friendship over. It's time yeah. to fight. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it again. And they, this is kind of becoming a fun tradition, though, right? Because uh, at least now we get to see. And props to them for including a little uh, random weirdness. Is this something they've done before? <laughs> Am I crazy? Is this a new thing? You're talking about the Grand Prix itself? Yeah. In the, the middle of or what? No, okay. the Grand Prix yeah. in the middle of Masters World. It's just this. Uh, and, well, last year they did uh, Hodger fought Comprito and Shanji fought Paige Apano. I forget what, if that was the American Nationals. You know, they've done a couple, you know, super fights in this type of thing. They're mixing it up, Kev, because here's the nice part that I think, you know, you see those memes <laughs> with people making fun of. And I mean, we've done a couple, too. But the Masters Worlds, Kev, the idea that these people are older. And so you see you think to yourself, like, oh, these are easier divisions. Not the case. They might have been uh, five years ago, but the people that were all doing jujitsu 10 and 15 years ago are now. Well, as he as you and Sectorwood people yell professor at these things. These were good matches. These were faster matches. And there well, was keep, keep in mind that. 
Keep in mind this, though, Kev, because the other thing that happens as these things progress is now, and uh, Professor Jarrett, you can tell me if you think differently, but I'm now starting to realistically think of the possibility. I think Masters goes to Master 5 and 6, right? Might be 7. Okay. Does it go to 7? Because I don't, I don't even know. But I'm looking at the real possibility of like seeing Andre Galvo at like age 65 and him being like, still going, I don't care. <laughs> he and Shunji are going at it for the 39th <laughs> time. Uh, everybody buckle in. <laughs> Yeah, that's and that's part of the fun. Well, I mean, I'm let's ask the the resident person that fought on it. How do you see the differences? Because you've also you fight at worlds, you fight um, amongst uh, the younger divisions. You had a great match against Josh Inger, who was also floating around Masters Worlds. Um, mm-hmm. What do you see as sort of the difference in this tournament versus maybe past years, or do you see it as similar? Like, give us your take. Uh, you know, I, I won it the first time in 2012. Um, and, you know, it was a tough tournament then. I fought a, a couple guys who had placed at, you know, adult Pan Ams and uh, adult Brazilian Nationals that same year. So it wasn't super easy then. Uh, I sort of got fired up last year because I saw, like, uh, uh, James Popolo took second at Worlds yeah. and then ended up losing. And he took second at Masters Worlds. So he ended up losing a really close match to... Uh, who did he lose to? Uh, Vinicius Magalhães, and then and Shanji lost a, a super close match as well last year. So I was like, like you know, you have these you know amazing guys, uh, you know, losing these matches at you know Masters Worlds, and um, yeah, I mean the guys who won this year, you know, Clark won uh, middle, uh, Vitor Oliveira won middle heavy, you know, I won heavy then. Rafael Lovato Jr. and James Popolo. It's like that's a that's not a bad crew to be among, you know, in terms of in terms of the in terms of athletes. So, um, you know, is, is the adults super tough and 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 tougher? Yeah, I mean, those are ten minute matches and and twenty year old kids, you know, for yeah. sure. Um, but well, one thing I want uh, to impress upon, and I, I, maybe you can back me up on this, but like Kev, there's just a different vibe about Masters Worlds. Where, like, everybody's so much more, like, the competition is stiff, but everybody's a little bit more relaxed. And, like, everybody's in really good spirits. So, one of the things I really like about it is, everybody who comes there, it's a little less, like, intense, crazy, at least from my vantage point. Like, everybody knows, like, oh, I've competed against this guy for, like, ten years. Like, okay, cool. I got him first round? Cool. Like... (laughs) For me, it just seems like a much more uh, chill and professional atmosphere. Is that the vibe that you get as a competitor? You know, the I, I think that's all pretty chill. Like in the black belt divisions, like the local tournaments are always funny, right? Like in in Colorado, wherever you're going to be at, that's where you get mean mugged. That's where like the guy and is, is all tatted up and and he's trying to stare you down, <laughs> and then he enters like the nogi novice division or something like that, like any of these tournaments, you're, you're going to get a lot of, you know, fist bumps and head nods. And, you know, you're always, everyone's super cool. You know, yeah. even if you've gone to war or not, or, you yeah. know, you're on a competing, you're on a competing team. You know, I, mean, I don't think like the IBJJF stuff, it's too professional. It's to, to not be like that. You know, I don't think it's ever, yeah. like, I don't think guys are, are ever that, you know, upset with each other. And, and the fact that you have guys like Lovato senior, 
um, competing. Yeah, it definitely makes it more heartfelt in, in some regards for sure. Um, to see like, you know, some of the, some of the, you know, past generations still going, you know, throwing down, you know, Megaton still thrown down with Mario Sperry. That's ridiculous. Mario Sperry, they had one of the best matches too. That was awesome to see. <laughs> Everybody yeah. here was so uh, stoked to see that match. I just know that as I watch it happen and uh, I see like uh, Rafael Lovato Sr. going up and doing his thing. There's just this great moment where uh, Lovato took a podium picture with him uh, up at top. And I was like, oh, my God, this is our field of dreams moment. Don't look directly at it. <laughs> nope. Oh, God. Yeah. Don't. Nope, nope, nope. Um, but it, it, it's, it's, it is really, really cool to see. And, and Kev, there's other things that you pick up as you see and you look around. Everybody's so happy. Um, there's like everybody's just of the IBJJ events I, I go to and I cover. I this was so happy and everybody was so it's the best of competition that I, I really feel like you get to see because um, these hooligan kids with their <laughs> they're crying and they're they're stalling and all that other stuff. I don't know. I'm just they're 50 50 guard. All that yeah. bullshit. I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, like, I wouldn't say. Yeah, the only th- I would push back against the like, it's just chill. Like, man, guys are throwing down. Um, I, well, I just I'm remember, talking like, about the last atmosphere year, like, outside of the mats because inside it's a different beast. Like watching you guys all compete, everybody goes to war. And if I'm being so honest, now that you mentioned the guy who had the, the megaphone, I didn't know that was uh, a voice thing, right? I didn't know that was something mm-hmm. that he, he had to do. Um, but at one point, I think somebody who – now I'm starting to put pieces together because I saw the, the Hibero patch and one of my buddies was going against him. And there was a distinct moment where he was yelling out stuff and I was like, ooh, that's really good coaching. The opposite. Do the opposite of what he said. Because <laughs> yeah, his coaching is better than mine. <laughs> and so follow what he does but the opposite. <laughs> That's often coaching jujitsu is kind of a pain at the ass too. Because there's uh, really difficult ways. It's an acquired skill. How do you go into it? Because uh, and this is a good way to to sort of round third on it. What's your coaching approach? Because you seem like in terms of competition, you talk about this a lot. You don't necessarily have a game plan, but you do have a very specific game plan for when an opponent starts to go down a path where you pull guard. You have a pretty good idea of how you're going to sweep and mm-hmm. what you're going to do next mm-hmm. and simultaneously with the pass. When you're coaching, how do you adjust to coach, say, someone like Sean Waddle, who weighs, I don't mm-hmm. know, 47 pounds, <laughs> give or take, mostly yeah. beard, um, but is also <laughs> will strangle you with his feet in different ways, his spider guard, which he played quite a bit of, it looked like, uh, from mm-hmm. what I saw. What do you strategize as you switch gears? In perspective for Sean, I just try to have him fill out the opponent. You know, I've, I've lost a couple matches uh, as a coach. I mean, like coaching guys where I was trying to be too cute as a coach where you're saying like, do the opposite or you have that other guy coaching them or you think, you, you know, you need to do something, but you don't want to give away the strategy mm-hmm. where you know, I've, I've been, you know, coaching where I'm saying like, take it to the ground or some like, you know, circumnavigating the fact that he needs to pull guard. Yeah. Like, well, and then it wasn't clear. So I try to just be super clear with my guys. Like, I don't know how many times I've kicked myself because, you know, I, I see that his opponent wants to do a foot sweep, not Sean, but some of the other guys, Sean has good wrestling. You know, some of the guys who don't have the takedown uh, abilities, 
you know, and, and I can see, you know, that, that opponent's plan maybe a little bit faster than them. And, and I just try to be mm. super direct with them. Like, like anytime I've been, you know, a little bit, you know, verbose or, or something about, you know, Oh, like do something else or watch out for the, just, just <laughs> say what you mean, get it out there right away. Uh, and, and if the other opponent knows it's coming, it's fine. You know, then, then he'll at least be listening to my voice. And I think that's to our benefit. Sure. Okay. It's always interesting to me here because says Raph can attest. I'm usually, I just, you start to lose the names. It's like grab his right hand, left hand, left hand. Right. Well, hold on. <laughs> That's not helpful. I've already messed up which hand. It's like sweep left. Wait, uh, ooh, up, up. Can, you do the oohs and no the ahs and no one's helped yeah. at all. There was no <laughs> less than three times where I'd be like, do this, do this. Nope. <laughs> no, that was not what we talked about <laughs> and so at a certain point i'm like i i don't know if i'm being uh super helpful or not but i will say this is the first time uh that i really actively you know, normally i'll do photos and whatever but like um i usually see my friends have coverage but when you go out to vegas you don't have as much uh individuals to do coverage so at this point i was definitely coaching way more than i normally do and i noticed kev my voice was starting to go a little bit and I think at one point I was like, my voice is going, but I want you to do your game. I just okay? want you to know where I'm going. If you can't hear me, my, my voice is fading. You're beautiful and your guard is awesome. <laughs> and it's gone now. I'm sorry. I can't help anymore. And by far, we're covering the most important fight event that happened in Vegas. Any bleed over. Was everybody uh, any bleed over from the massive McGregor fallout business um, or was jujitsu? It seemed like everybody was there and had their plans and was set to go. You two were there. Well, I want to hear his version because uh, we cover a little bit on the show what I'm seeing, but I want to know what you saw because did you stay out there for the fights? I didn't. I had a flight at like 730. You know, I'm not a huge Vegas guy myself, so I was sort of joking with everything like I'm going to be flying out and you know vegas is gonna be burning behind me type thing so i tried to get out of there i would yeah it just seemed like a a terrible idea to stay that saturday night and especially like sunday morning sunday morning was just gonna be crazy at the airport so just get out and uh you know enjoy i'll tell you though i have to be honest i think it's really important to note this i think they might have blown their wad kev like granted there were a ton like thousands of irish individuals on the streets when i went down the strip for the one day i went down the strip i can't tell you how many flags i saw kev just but, irish yes kevin yes 100 <laughs> good deduction kevin they are but, not the smartest group i could have expected anything there was a lot that could go on there well, here's what happens here. They bring the Irish flags. Good job, Kev. Really, really solid. I'm you know, trying to insult. Hey, Ireland's, Ireland's not in our show. top five international city list. Tokyo is. Jesus. London, they're going to dig this, Raf. They never <laughs> will be now. But, Kevin, I guess you got to the insulting them before I did. So here's what you should know. I did notice one thing, which was it did take a little while to fill the T-Mobile arena. I saw a photo where it looked like they were waiting for people to arrive. Like it looked like nobody showed up for the uh, the prelims. And I know for sure that by the time you were getting around to the main event, I was in transit and I was driving around because my plans changed. The UFC.com streaming service for Fight Pass, anybody who ordered it on pay-per-view like an organized human being would, um, all of those systems were down. If it came worse to worse – 
I would Skype these poor people who paid in advance their video. I would be like, you should at least watch it, right? You paid for it. And the UFC was starting to put up notes that said they weren't going to reimburse people. And I was really mad by that because I'm like, how are you not going to refund people when that service happens? But I'll tell you this, Kev. When it got around the main event time, there was no traffic. And not just because everybody was there because they were still trickling in. But like normally at big events when you have that sort of thing, there's always traffic. So something happened. And I think the rush of Irish individuals didn't actually have the money to go see the fight. I think they just went to the bars on the strip. Not a bad plan. And except also not quite a full Vegas trip. I don't know that I love McGregor so much that I would go to another country and be like, let's go to your finest bar. What's that? B-dubs? Cool. <laughs> we should have roped them into Masters Worlds. That would have added a fun little wrinkle. It's like how oh, many people, how many Irishmen can Jubera and Lovato tap out in 25 seconds? Everybody go. <laughs> That's not a terrible road. Yeah. Well, Professor Jabera, you've uh, you're back to teaching, I presume, this week, where people can find you uh, pretty easily. Put in Jabera, J U B E R A. You will find the academy out in Broomfield. That was an inspired performance. Do you feel? Do you feel? How do you? Is, are you dealing with the celebrity well after the closeout? Uh, what's the rush like in this week after? Oh man, we are we are pretty slammed, but you know, pretty humbling to come back, you know, teach a huge class of four year olds or five year olds, you know, our little samurais and everything. Mm-hmm. So you know, then you're back to to tying belts and you know, getting all the kids, you know, just you know, running in the same direction type thing. Yeah. So yeah, it knocks knocks you back down to the real world pretty quick. So um, yeah, nothing nothing too crazy. So you're staying humble. If I arrive in the next few weeks and you're just wearing a huge leather gi, oh. we're going to know this is all a facade, <laughs> <laughs> that it's actually it's gone to him. Point, Kev, he doesn't even address you by name anymore. He's just like, someone tell Kevin that I'm not going to coach him today and that he should drill on his own. And he knows what he did. Please tell him yeah. all of those things. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, we appreciate you coming on and tolerating our nonsense uh, talking some jujitsu. Thank you for swinging by the podcast this evening. And I have to, I have to ask this, Professor uh-huh. Jabera, before we get you on out of here. I know Kevin's been a little injured. Has it been oh, quiet? Wow. Like, was it been quiet at the gym without him because he's a loud voice? He is uh, a loud voice, and and he he has a habit of coming a little bit late to class. Uh, but but we we dearly miss him. You know, here we just just need that guy to get healthy. Uh, we do. We'll just. And I'm not coming whatever, bring that boxing glove like Art Jimerson or whatever that plan was. So that got jettisoned. Uh, apparently, <laughs> my surgeon yeah. thought maybe I was insinuating more soft contact karate. Uh, she approves oh. the plan and then immediately Googles Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, calls me the next morning <laughs> and is like, do not do that. Whatever you do, don't go do that. It's like, okay. So we'll call that your, plan. Your pull ups at the time. Yeah, <laughs> she, she was not pleased <laughs> uh, yeah, once she found out what I was doing. So it's good we got that out. But well, three to five months, that's, that's where we're at. So. I will say this. I think Masters Worlds is a lovely tournament. And I think Kevin would love to see it. Maybe go to it. Maybe other things. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just saying Kev is a little old. 
that's that's true. I'm I'm more than qualified. (laughs) Age wise, I don't know. I'm just I I won't. I and you know it would be a shame if he had like some great competition team. I don't know. I'm just saying things, but whatever. Who would I learn from, Raph? Who would teach right? me how to compete at that level? I don't know. I, I don't know. <laughs> where, where we could find this person? I don't know. <laughs> uh, well, let those shameless plugs away. Train with him at Jubera Jiu Jitsu. Call him. Drag him out to your school to teach a seminar. Uh, you won't be disappointed anytime you can get some Anaconda X deep half passing sweeps. It's it's all it's all good, and uh, I compliment your teaching wherever I go. As does Raph. People speak very highly of you, which is always always Absolutely nice sir. as a home gym. So thanks for swinging by Verbal Tap tonight. Man, yeah, great great chat with you guys. Rap Eric Medina fought. I had yes. several teammates fighting, and it's always fun to watch them kick an ass. And I, I know they hold themselves to certain standards. You can kind of see some of the posts that are like, you know, it didn't quite go my way. It's like it's so fun to watch people training, competing, putting it on the line. And it feels like you're uh, not feels like you're on TV now. A lot of people are watching Flow Grappling. A lot of people yep. are tuning in to see these events and see who's competing. And I thought that was a really cool thing, and you know, I'm sure Jubera knows this now, but he got a lot of flow zone time. Yes, uh, and he should. And that's that's a cool thing that they're doing, right? You can even get commentary on these grappling tournaments. So fun times to watch your teammates go through it and see the Jubera patch and see the Huberos. And there's it's always cool, too, when you see someone you've obviously never seen from a different Hubero gym, at least in my case. And I'll see them doing similar things. You probably get this with the Jean-Jacques. You, all of a sudden, mm-hmm. you're like, wait, wait. I know that pass. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's a curriculum. This is great. <laughs> and fun weekend overall. Uh, it was fun to watch Medina. I, that that top plan is this little guy with the top game. I like it. That little guy. Yeah. It's, not it's, a proper no, he's, he's a little guy. You can tell Comparatively, him that. Um, I'm just saying. Uh, first of all, big, scary, large man, Kevin telling you uh that you are a small small little dude uh, i tell him that just because i'm fatter than him there so there are a lot of people who are fatter than him even who are in shape but uh medina did great man i was so proud of him first you year know, brown belt it's a tough first year brown belt tough divisions as we've articulated he had some shit. really game competitors dude i was i was like i said uh and i alluded to with uh jabera now that i it makes sense because I saw the Hibero patch and I was like, oh, shit, this might be Kev's people versus my people, but my people have to win. And then we could be friends. And they were so nice. Like everybody was so cool. And I wanted to go up to everybody and compliment them because I saw so much good jujitsu. So I really tried to go up to as many people as possible. A lot of people came up to us. It was awesome. But I do want to say this about our good friend, Mr. Eric Medina. Uh, I just I'm always impressed with the way he carries himself, win or lose. But I had said this, and I think you guys will understand this, and I hope you take it the right way. But when you lose by an advantage or by a like, negative advantage, all respect to the winner, they won. They 100% like, I get it. It's the rule set. It's what we all subscribe to when it happens. But like, I just there's still a part of me that just because my brain is a little more submission-oriented, no uh, offense to points – but I'm like, you know, you just didn't win because I don't really think you lost. But 
other people would interpret that differently. IBJJF Paris would be like, well, no, the rules say you lost. But I'm like, your jiu-jitsu was still amazing to watch. And so it's not something that I want him to, to you know, feel like, oh, that's it. Uh, he was close. He almost got his goal of getting a gold. And the fact that he was so close and he represented himself and his jiu-jitsu so well means more to me than any medal would at all. But I get hype watching my friends do dope shit. And he was doing dope fucking shit. So uh, congratulations to him. And uh, as you alluded to, in his first year being a brown belt, and it, it's just really awesome to see. So uh, we, we reset the whole world's and uh, new goals coming up very soon. Uh, we'll get to talking about Joey in a second because our good friend Joey House is up next on our, our competition team. I'm very excited for him. But I do want to bring out just a few things, Kev. Masters Worlds was a blast, dude. I, I think you would honestly love seeing it live. It's just every the vibe is there. It's great. They had seminars there, which is amazing. It felt like kind of in that sense with the seminars, a little bit like the Jiu-Jitsu Expo you and I both love so much. Yeah, and we love any time we get to see a lot of our favorite fighters hanging around because uh, that's, that's when we nerd out. And this is one of those times. Because that's that's a nice part of the heavyweight Grand Prix that they added, and I do and I do enjoy the infusion, right? It's like, hey, you also get a chance to see some of your favorite fighters, so it's a good good mix and match there. IBJJF, I like that you're bobbing and weaving. Ref, we ready for some shout outs? Yes, I'll start it out there. We dragged on. It's always nerve wracking when we drag on people that can choke us. That gets yes. more nervous. So shout out to Professor Jubera for swinging by the podcast. Uh, Tessa, Will, Zach, Sean, I think Badger was even out there. There was a lot of the Hibero team. I apologize if I missed anyone out there competing, um, putting it out there. And it's it was a blast to watch. I, and thanks huge out to uh, Flow Grappling for putting the names of people that are on there. So you can just search directly by name. You don't have to just go Matt Six and hope for the best. You can get it. Liced up. I even caught Eric Medina's third fight because I had missed it. So I was like, perfect. There we go. Uh, it's nice being able to watch my friends. And massive props out to your crew that's out there. It was, as I told you, as it was happening, it was a blast to watch Medina uh, work in his yeah. passing game. It's a different passing game, but it is, it again, it's that aggressive top submission hunting. And I, I really like that. I like when people fish for those submission grabs and work passes off them. It's an interesting thing. And that's uh, going to do it for me, Raph. I'm in a splint now, so thanks to Dr. Chor and the medical team for getting me out of that cast. That was uh, much it's much nicer. Well, that's fantastic, and that's that's good stuff, man. So congratulations, uh, like as we mentioned to Eric. That was really, really good to see. Uh, our good friend Frosto and Joey did a great job working for Flow Grappling. Shout out to our good friend Megan Persuto as well, who uh, I, I saw them racing around and then trying to like consume as much acai as possible in their like little short breaks. Shout out to our good friend John Evans, who was doing great commentary. We got to run into each other just briefly, um, but he was a blast. And he even came to go train with us. Uh, it was the first time he and I got to train together in a while, but uh, Kev, bad news, still good. Yeah. I, yeah. We were hoping, but it was yeah, a long shot that he would just forget jujitsu. Um, met so many good people there. Uh, Chris Velez, uh, who a big fan of our show, uh, came up to me. So, so nice. Just one of the nicest human beings. We had so many fans of our show 
I don't want to necessarily name you all by name, uh, but so many of you said so many nice things about myself, less nice things about Kevin, but mostly me. And that's what I mostly appreciate. So thank you guys for listening. Um, you guys are part of the responsibility of this podcast doing so well, I guess, recently, Kevin. We've just noticed our our numbers continuing to go up. And a lot of that is based on your guys' efforts and uh, love that you send out our way. And we appreciate that. More than uh, anything. Other things. It's like the only thing we really were, yeah. were obsessed with it. We appreciate it. Absolutely. I also want to say this was really cool. This year we did something a little new. Uh, which we were excited about, and I showed Kevin, but I put up a Google uh, document, like a Google spreadsheet, and I allowed people to show me where their matches were, and they could input that on there. And when they did that, I was very excited about it because I could go see their matches. And I tried to see as many matches as I could, and I honestly, for everybody who uh, put their schedule on there, I ended up uh, either, if I couldn't see it live, I would try to, keep up with it on my my ipad and i kept looking for it on flow grappling so i got to see a lot of your jujitsu and y'all be pretty good so uh, i like seeing that our fans are actually pretty good at jujitsu and uh yeah it's good stuff and uh, to our friend armin who's uh, uh visiting us here at the la jujitsu club this week we want to say thank you for coming you're a lot of fun dude and we hope you're having a good time today you went to go have a, a private with edwin Najmi after having Mm, uh, I think it was a class with Jean-Jacques in the morning. And then he trained with us, which obviously was the most prestigious of the things. Always. Our 8 a.m. training, which, by the way, is Monday through Friday over at the L.A. Jiu-Jitsu Club. Beautiful LA Jiu-Jitsu. segue. It's beautiful. So come on over that way and train with us in the mornings as we get Joey ready for his Ultimate Matt Warrior Super Fight going down in San Diego next weekend on the 9th, September 9th. That's Ultimate Matt Warriors. Put on by our good friends, Boogie of the 10th Planet Freaks Individuals. Okay, so let's go back to this. Uh, Joey's competing for that. Uh, We hope you guys come and help get him ready, all that good stuff. Joey's been doing great stuff. He and I got to drive back, but we did get to make a stop, Kevin, at the Open Mat Radios, Tap Cancer's Outs, uh, Open Mat. Which is a weird branding thing. Don't be jealous, because I need to tell you exactly what happened here, okay? It sounds like it's really cool. Like it sounds like it's a good time. Yeah, it sounds like my occasional BJJ podcast arch nemesis, Paul Moran, who received his black belt and I have some issue with. Uh, It sounds like it was a cool thing that he was going to invite all these people to come do a huge open mat. And that, yeah, 20 of the guys who were there were going to be black belts, whatever. And he had five of the black belts showing techniques for like, what, two hours of the thing. But you know what? That's a problematic thing, Kevin. Why? Because it's not a fucking open mat. His name (laughs) of his podcast is Open Mat Radio. You would think the one thing he knows how to do is do an open mat. Instead, he did a class. That is not an open mat. It shows what I have been saying all these years, which is that he has no idea what he's doing. Now, I know that some of you are wondering, why am I being back on the I hate Paul train? Paul was fine with us. We had gotten to this point where we said, you know, he's not really podcasting anymore. And I can be happy for him that he got his black belt after years of giving back to the jiu-jitsu community. But then guess what he told me, Kevin? What? Uh, the um, open mat radio is going to end up coming back 
uh, sometime in October, and I was like, feud back on. Feud back on. It was nope. off. It's back. It was off because you weren't relevant anymore. You weren't doing any shows. So I was like, whatever. I guess I can like, feel bad for you. You're dumb, and I hate you. But no, now he wants to come back and try and come back at us. And he doesn't know the game has changed. He doesn't know that like Ryan Ford of the Grappling Central podcast has taken his spot as the most boring interviewer in BJJ. So throne has been that. passed, so you can't just come back. Passed. And I'll say this about Ryan Ford: he put us on his show. Paul's never done that. Hey, that's so, uh... there is that. Anyway, I guess what I can say is this: before he returns, because it's going to be sometime after ADCC, because he might go because he's lame. But I will say this to you, Kevin. While I still can, it was great to see him get his black belt. Yeah, he works really hard. He is one of the best ambassadors for jujitsu, and he is uh, he is top notch when it comes to being an upstanding human being. Terrible podcaster, but terrible. great human being. Terrible. I can't emphasize how terrible he is, but um, it was really good seeing him. And Sergio Pena got his eighth stripe on his <laughs> like his black belt, which now makes him a coral. Or I don't know if he was a coral. I don't know how this works. I don't bother to learn the coral system, Kevin, because I know I'll never be there. Yeah. So I just kind of go like, are you a coral now? Cool. <laughs> but Sergio Pena, one of the nicest, most gracious people. I also have to shout out Drysdale BJJ. They opened up their doors to me and my good friend Moses Antonio Lopez, who Kev, the last time I told you about him, he went five for five on footlocks at Pans. Damn. This time at Masters Worlds, he went six for six and on the podium was given his black belt. So congratulations to him. I got the chance to roll with him and I will tell you his footlocks are for realsies. So if you didn't believe 11 for 11 to begin with, uh, you can know that the Hunting Badger BJJ is a deadly human being. And uh, I have a shirt. You guys, if you look at it, go on his website or his Instagram. You can find his shirts. Go promote him. He is a, a fantastic human being. So I also want to shout out our good friends, Dane and Terry, who I got to do a whole bunch of nonsense with. They signed me up for the seminar to go to Fabio Grisel. Uh So I got to take a really awesome seminar because of them. They signed me up. And uh, they're just the best people in the, the world. They literally... The whole time the event was going on, uh, would text me and be like, hey, we're over here. We got this. Do you need something? And they are the same kind of planners that I am. So we all geek out. When they saw like my spreadsheet for the calendar, they were like, oh, my God, this is so good. So, And just to tell you a little bit more about Dane, Dane is the type of human being when after we t- took the seminar together, sent me typed up notes. And uh, that's a pretty cool thing. Because he knew I'm very simple and I wouldn't remember otherwise. So uh, I know there are a lot of people I'm forgetting. I am sorry about that. But to everybody I saw at Masters Worlds, thank you so much for coming up. Thank you for spending uh, like a little bit of time with us. If we didn't get to spend all the time in the world with you, we will catch you at another endeavor. But uh, I really had a good time. I love Vegas. I think Masters Worlds is a great place for it. I'm sorry you had to deal with the whole McGregor and Mayweather sort of thing. Uh, also, shout out to our good friends Rita and Vinny for not only hosting us, Kevin, for the the fights, but for cooking a delicious Italian meal. Oh snap! For all of us, I'm talking homemade sauce. I'm talking homemade wine. I'm talking 
going all out. They were like, I hope you came hungry. And I was like, you're talking to the right guy. That's what I do. I woke up hungry. I remain hungry. I'm always hungry. So that's my secret, Cap. I'm always hungry. I think that will do it for me. And I'll VMAC, I'll see you this week. So VMAC. I'll be back. That'll do us for it tonight. Something like that. <laughs> I'm Kevin. Thanks for listening. Good night and me fucking morning. Got a lot of it. The number you have dialed is not in service at this time.